Hey, Tom, this is Chantel. Hi, Chantel, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. Well, thank you, first of all, for taking some time with me this morning. I'm, I'm really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Yeah. So this morning I am uh, have the honor and pleasure of talking with Tom McCook. And um, Tom is the owner and director of Center of Balance Pilates Studio in Mountain View. And um, uh, it's a, an amazing studio where they specialize in Pilates and Coraline and the Franklin Method, among other things. And Tom is also a faculty member for Balanced Body and um, one of the teachers that participates in their mentoring program, Passing the Torch. So, Tom, um, again, thank you so much for joining me. I'm, it's, it really is a, a pleasure to um, get a chance to talk to you and, and just kind of talk to you more about um, what your teaching path has been like. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I guess um, I, I kind of just wanted to start from the beginning. And, and, you know, I've read your bio and I've taken some courses with you, which have been such a pleasure. But I wondered if you would just share a little bit about um, how you came to this path of, of teaching movement um, and if you, you know, sometimes I think we come to it kind of, um, circuitously and maybe it's not the path we think we would end up on. So I wonder if you would share a little bit with us about how you came to, um, personal training, I think was where you started and then how your teaching evolved into what it is now. Okay. I, um, it's interesting. My, my personal training I started actually very young. I um, I'm, I have eight brothers. And I'm, I'm the youngest of twelve kids. Wow. <laughs> and I and we were a very physical family. I grew up in the Boston area. And we all played sports. We played hockey. We played everything together. And I um, I built a gym in my cellar when I was eleven years old. <laughs> and and um, started training myself and all the neighborhood kids. And I had you know this whole circuit set up where we would work out together and have fun and it was really a I found out that it was something really young that I really enjoyed doing but I, I had a natural propensity for it and I really loved movement and I liked the effect it had on my ability to play sports better uh-huh. and also um and also deal with my brothers a little better <laughs> <laughs> so so it's kind of that was my starting place and I, I didn't know at the time that I'd be doing this for a living but I but it just came very natural to me mm-hmm something that I, 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 I got movement and from that regard I, I really was curious about it. I enjoyed teaching exercise. I, I loved doing it myself more than anything. Yeah. And um and I think that was that was my where it all started for me. And then, you know, fast forward a little over ten years, I had moved to California when I was twenty and I had done some odd jobs while I was going to school part time and I was managing Gold's gym a nighttime manager at Gold Gym when I was, I think, in, like 22 or 23 years old. And mm. and I was going to school during the day, and I just was watching how people worked out. And I I found it disturbing <laughs> to, 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 watch, to, to watch how people – I mean, there was obviously some people in the gym that did things well. And, right. But for, the, but for the most part, I just watched that. I thought people worked out in very um, limiting ways mm-hmm. that, that, that weren't as – not as good for them as, as things could be, but yeah. I started 
shortly after that, I, I decided, you know, I'm going to start training people. And within a, within three months, I had 40 appointments a week. Wow. And I was, and I was, and I've been, I've been full time ever since then. <laughs> and that was, that was actually kind of the, the beginning of my career and working with people around exercise. And yeah. I just, I, you know, and I, I'd already, it came naturally to me because I'd already been doing it since I was 11 years old. I've been training myself and training kids. Because I'd like to, not even for money, for a lot of years. Yeah. Before I got into it for, for money, and I just um, I just really enjoy that way of being with people. I think it's it's a it's a, it's a gift to be able to be with people when they choose to come to see you. Yeah. And also to help help them with their health and enjoy their life more and learn how to be in their body better. And that was that was my beginning. Before I had gotten a lot of training, I just had my own experience. And I got certifications and you know aids and ACSM and ASM. Right. And um, in the middle of that, I, I think, uh, but I had my own training business for five, about eight years. Mm-hmm. And I um, and I got exposed to body work. I took a training in Shiatsu in the late 80s. And that really, it, it came really in a timely period for me because I was starting to feel a little bit let's say bored, but I just felt the limitations of the gym environment uh-huh. for, for me personally. And I, I felt like I wanted something more. I wanted something more around consciousness and health. Mm-hmm. I think fitness can be, or working out with weights or in the gym is is health-oriented, but it can also be, um, it can be not so healthy for the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I just found like, okay, what's, what's another thing that I can add to my toolbox? So I, I took a training, a year-long training in Shiatsu with a fabulous teacher, a guy named Edward Bailey. And that really shifted how I started looking at health in the body. Mm-hmm. I started I started incorporating um, body work into my practice, and I would do a percentage of, of sessions of body work training. And after that year, I took another year-long training in what's called somatic education, mm-hmm. which is called the Lomi, train, Lomi training with a man named Richard Eckler. And Robert Hall, mm-hmm. MD, and Richard Eckman, PhD in, in psychology. And it was a year-long training in, in how we work through the body, not just on the body, but like our, how do you use your body as a resource for attention, for uh-huh. presence, for being in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a combination of body work, group therapy, um, process work, breath work, all these things around you know, the energy of our body and our life. Mm-hmm. So it was very, uh, it was a very different shift from the gym environment. Yeah. And I just found that it, I felt, I felt really seen from the teacher. This was probably my first real mentor in my life, was Richard Heckler. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I just found him to be somebody who was incredibly present, kind, and powerful all at the same time. Uh-huh. And that was, um, that was just that was a big impact for me, and I felt like that that's the kind of teacher I want to be. Mm-hmm. I want to teach people to actually honor themselves, take care of themselves, and, and look at the areas where they're not. Mm-hmm. So that was a big shift, and then and then I just kept going. So I just you know I'm, I'm really a perpetual learner. So I after I finished the Lomi training, I took a four and a half year apprenticeship in combination of Feldenkrais and structural body work. Cranial therapy. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that is when I got exposed to Pilates. 
that was in the early 90s. So those two years in that and one of the women in the training was the Pilates. She was in great shape. She did a disaster at 22 for 52. She looked great. So I do Pilates. I'd never heard of it before. Mm. And, I, and I found a studio in Palo Alto at the time, which was right around the corner from my house. And I started taking privates two times a week. And, and I did that for um, two or three times a week. I took privates for three and a half years before I took the teacher training. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's just, it's kind of, that's been my evolution. In the middle of that, you know, I was still training people in the gym, but, but getting out of that and doing more body work. And then as the, as the shifted into the Pilates training, I, um, I created my own home studio and moved completely out of the gym. Mm-hmm. And then I had, I had, I had a three-bedroom condo. I had two, two offices. One was the body work room and the other room had two reformers and a chair and and so I had I had my home office for a few years where I had that's kind of my um, beginning of my Pilates career. Uh-huh. And I also worked at the studio that I did my training for, which is a, a, a woman named Karen. Um, Karen Seltzer was my teacher, my, my first teacher in Pilates. That was that was all in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I fast forward a little bit forward from there, you know, I had working chiropractic offices, doing rehabilitative exercise and body work. So I was kind of blending all the things that I had learned over the years and found useful as my my um, approach gradually changed. Uh-huh. And I think, um, you know, I think where I'm at now is I still do a little bit of body work in my training and in my work with people. Uh-huh. It's really influenced, it's really influenced strongly my hands-on chewing. Uh-huh. Which I think is, um, you know, in one of, one of the questions you had asked is, you know, what do I think is needed in the community now? And I think teachers really need to learn how to do hands-on adjustments and cueing. Yeah. I think that's a, that's, a skill, that's a skill development that would be really useful in our profession. Yeah, yeah, I agree, totally. And a little bit of, you know, of, of manual body work, there can be... Um, Incredibly helpful in sessions like mm. muscle energy technique, uh-huh. active, active resistance type stuff, where you're really informing the client's body, but it's, it's, it's active on their part as opposed to passive. Right, right. I think there's a lot more information that happens when it's, when it's done that way, as opposed to somebody just receiving a massage or uh-huh. receiving a, 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 a you know some type of release from a from a practitioner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we opened our studio in 97, that was a big shift for, for, for me in terms of going from having a private practice to now hiring people and having people in the studio outside of myself teaching. That was a, a big adjustment for me personally. It's, uh-huh. uh, it's now, now I'm a studio owner and a boss. And <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that was a, that, that's been a growth process all along. Uh-huh. It's, been, it's been great. And I think that the part of it that's actually helped me the most is beginning in 1993, I took a coaching training, uh-huh. which, which has a student of a, of a six-month process, which is basically just working on personal balance and all the areas of your life where you want to make some changes or how do you actually work with yourself on a weekly, daily basis to create personal balance. 
Right. And I took, I took this course three times, three six-month-long course. We made a group. We met once a week. And I took it in 93. I took it in 97. I took it in 99. And then in 2000, wow. I took the teacher training for this, which was a year-long training, one-on-one, privately, uh-huh. with the, the guy who created this work. Uh-huh. And Dennis Stevenson was the founder of it. The focus, called the Focus Corporation, and it's um, unfortunately Dennis died in 2003, shortly after this. But he, um, from taking the training, I got uh, the right to all the material which I built on. I teach a coaching course now called Embodying About Life. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Actually, I've been really curious about that program. Well, with Dennis, I learned all these great tools around creating balance in your life, um, looking at the areas where you want to have a little more freedom. Uh-huh. But I always felt, I always felt that, that the program lacked the body. Right. Uh-huh. It, did, it did include the body and meditation, and I, um, I, I blended those things into it. So we offer this, I offer this 10-week course now mm-hmm. that has, has the coaching element, has the meditation element, and it has movement. So it's a two-hour course every week for 10 weeks, but though over a three-month period. Mm-hmm. And we do 20 minutes of meditation, 40 minutes of movement, and an hour of coaching work. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just been a fabulous program to people over the over time to, to incorporate all these elements of concentration, learning more about their body, and looking at their life. Mm-hmm. And that's been a... Um, that's been a for me personally, that's been what's behind how I approach my work at the studio, how, how I approach work with clients, how I approach working with other teachers in the studio. Uh-huh. So doing it mindfully and um, creating a space that I like to be in. Right. And do you do you uh-huh. have the people who are participating? Are they um, fellow teachers or are they mostly students? And what kind of uh, you know I'm. If you're working with these students, you know, potentially through the um, Embodying a Balanced Life program and on a, a more strictly physical level, what kind of shifts are you seeing when they're, when they're putting a program like this together with their, um, with their physical practice versus when they're not? I mean, you must, you must see a fairly um, big shift for a lot of people. Process that 
that information with movement and touch and concentration, the learning curve is pretty dramatic. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be hard movements because, you know, I think to move better, you have to get curious about simple movements. Uh-huh. Not necessarily, you know, what makes you a good mover is doing simple things well. So that's, so that's how I approach it. Then I'll blend in some, some Pilates and yoga exercise in the 40-minute session, but it's it built with every week as a particular theme mm-hmm. in, ter- in terms of the body. Like the theme might be on the pelvis or the hip joint. Uh-huh. First week, the next theme might be on what next theme might The theme every week will, will be a different aspect of the body, like posture, shoulders and neck, the spine. So I'll give them an experiential lesson of these parts of the body, and then we'll take it into a little bit of conditioning exercise. Uh-huh. And it's, so it's, it's the, the piece that I think the most important for me is how do I create a learning environment so everybody can get the most out of it? And I think for people to learn, you have to help them feel confident and relaxed. Right. Uh-huh. Without that, only the people that are good movers are going to get something out of the exercise. Mhm. Yes. Right. And I think that's the challenge in the whole in the whole um, movement field. Absolutely. You know the um, the notion that if somebody's not getting it, it's just because they're not paying attention is actually not fully accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to heighten somebody's proprioception, their attention, a little bit of information about their body, and kind of blend that and layer that. For someone to sometimes to process the information and actually have an insight. Yes, and I I love the fact that you mentioned m- making a, a a person feel confident. Um, I I find in my own teaching that that's such a pivotal piece in how a student will take in information and be able to integrate it is the level of confidence that they feel with being in their body, and so. I think that's often a piece that we overlook. We use all the kind of technical skills that we have to inform the body without really looking at the level of confidence a student might have about their ability, which is so such a powerful piece in terms of... It's so true. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing because if you can get somebody to be confident and relaxed, they, it's so much easier to take in information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, otherwise, it's this overriding tension around performance and yes. perfection yes. And, and, self, and self-criticism. And that's, um, that's a big part of the, of the coaching work, too, is to helping people. You know, movement is a, is a very demonstrative place for that, uh-huh. where you can see, you can visually see if somebody's getting it or if they have movement issues that they need to work on. Right. But, there's all this internal stuff that's going on with everybody in their life. Yeah. That it's the same. That it's the same. It's absolutely the same. In any area of your life where you feel confident, relaxed, and you're aware of your options, yes. you have a lot more freedom. Your freedom is, is much higher. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And I just, I think it's such a crucial part of teaching. And part, part of the reason why, um, you know, I've started this skillful teaching project is to to try to build a, an, create an opportunity where we as movement teachers, where, you know, we, we're typically focused on the movement aspect, but we can expand our, 
um, knowledge base and to really looking at all of these layers that whether we are consciously aware of them, that we're attending to, uh, you know, every time we're interacting with a student, um, talking about all of, all of this work and how your work has evolved, there was a, you know, a thread that um, early on when you were talking about your mentor and how interesting it is that for me as an observer of your work, I would use the same words to describe you that you use to describe your mentor and talking about the Embodying a Balanced Life program and these different aspects of how we can touch the people that we work with, um, you know, is really, really quite reflective of the holistic approach that you have crafted um, in terms of your teaching. Uh, And it's just, it's really exciting to hear a teacher of your caliber and experience talking about all of these different layers. Um, I'm just really appreciative of that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, I've always been um, way more impressed with people that are um, maintaining their humility. Mm -hmm. And um, because I don't think humility is a diminished power. I think it's actually much more powerful. Yeah. Yes. And I also think it's also the hardness of that. And I, I just find that if you can show your, your humanness to your students, then it helps them see that they can do well too. You know, that we're all the same. Yes. And it's, it's really just about application and your willingness to practice and be curious and keep taking steps in the direction that interests you. Yeah. Well, you know, you you are a, a very strong example of that, and it's just it's apparent when you look at what you've done and just hearing you talk about your path to doing what you do, and that the level of curiosity and and as you said in the beginning of the conversation, just being drawn to learning, continuously learning. I mean, I think that putting yourself in that situation over and over again of not knowing and, and being willing to, to expand your knowledge, um, such a crucial part of, as you said, maintaining humility. I, I mean, obviously not for everybody. That's a, it's a thing for a lot of people, but you are certainly um, a very strong example of that constant curiosity. I think um, that's, that's the piece of... Um the Pilates work that I think is um, really important for, for teachers to to know is that the, your curiosity is what keeps the work alive. You know, when someone, a teacher tells me that they're bored with teaching the same stuff, that's just an interesting thing for me that they're really not, they're not really paying attention to the work anymore. Uh-huh. I think it's, you know, because I teach, I've got teacher training since 2000. And every single time I go through the teacher training again, I've learned something new because it's all new to me every time. Yeah. You know, even, even actually I'm more curious about the simpler exercises now than I used to be. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I, used to, I used to like to go, you know, push to the level three and four. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm, now I'm really curious about the level one stuff and a whole new um, awareness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I, I think we've kind of answered the question, but I, I wonder if perhaps you might articulate 
what your, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about in the skillful teaching community, the teachers I've been talking to and working with is just creating a clear um, vision for our teaching and, and really understanding, you know, what, what gifts we have to offer and being able to see what, um, what our path is as a teacher. And I wonder if, um, you might be able to articulate what, what particular vision as a teacher that you hold. I'd say, I'd say one, one thing is I'm, I'm, I'm teaching the, the Franklin training this year, the three-week teacher training, the Franklin work has been very influenced by that on uh-huh. understanding the, the body from an evolutionary standpoint. Uh-huh. And how you can, I think what, what I believe people need to age well is they need to have some useful information about how their body's designed and how to use their attention to improve on how they're using themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that doesn't even have to be exercise-related, but it's also a great prelude to exercise. But yeah. I think that work is something that I'm very interested in getting more out there. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I also think as teachers, like I mentioned earlier, they need to develop a little more hands-on ability uh-huh. part of their teaching. And I, that's part of my goal is to share that. Yeah. And, um, and also um, develop more uh, assessment screenings for teachers, I think, because the movement field is so young. Yes, uh-huh. Uh, everybody has very different protocols about how they approach the body. Right. I think we have to take into account, take into account people's lifestyle that they don't have a ton of time. So it would be better to give them very specific exercises for their particular body that they can do daily as a way to create structural balance. And then... You know, then they can do full workouts in a class when they can when they can get there. But just as a, a way to work with themselves to really have better adjustment skills to make somebody get better results with less time. Right, right. I think those things, there's some, there's some good information out there. There's a book called Movement by Ray Cook. PT has a functional movement screen. That's something that I'm incorporating into my studio. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, the, but, but both can serve each other. Mm-hmm. This information, this information that's available that's um, very useful, and I think the Pilates world has a lot to offer all of these other fitness modalities because of how specific our training is. Yeah. So I, think, I, think that's, I think that my, my intention is to create a, keep creating an open environment for people to feel safe asking questions and share information together. Uh-huh. And enjoy enjoy our time together while we're learning. Yeah. Yeah. Take the attention out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and make, make a great environment where states that say, I don't know. Right. Yeah, isn't that true? That's um, it's that's can be very difficult in a in a training or t- or learning environment, particularly when you are you know, you've been teaching for some time and you, you know, there's an assumption that you have a fair bit of knowledge and to enter a new environment and to be able to say that you don't know, you know, or to be really honestly and authentically curious without feeling like you need to, you know, you need to know. Yeah, that comes up and that, that, 
chewing. Like, just take it from a scientific perspective. Um, when you give somebody a verbal cue, that's cognitive and kinesthetic, meaning they have to take a, a thought and transfer it into a feeling. Right. And that's, and that's from a scientific perspective, it's proven to be a hard thing to do. Uh huh. So if our cueing isn't including giving people a better understanding of their body, where they can conceptualize what's going on and they can put their attention on it, it's no longer a cue, it's a goal. Right. which is which is you know exciting and as as it should be i think it's you know that no yes yeah right we get very tied to one way being the the one and only way of doing something yeah which is basically fear based approach and it's, yes um, Yes. You know, I, it's the one thing I've loved about studying the Franklin method, um, for me as well, uh, really astonishing. There were moments, you know, of, of learning from, um, Eric, where I just thought, I cannot believe that I have spent all these years saying something that is fundamentally not the way the body functions. And, you know, I mean, it was just, there were so many of those kind of aha moments that I took with me into my teaching and, and uh, as a faculty member for Balanced Body as well, teaching teachers, it's, it's just, it's actually pretty thrilling to be able to say, to just help them understand the truth about the way the body moves rather than teaching from a place of misunderstood metaphors and analogies and things that do not reflect how the body works at all. It's true. It's, it's really, and it, it's actually liberating because if you can get down to the level of how things actually work, then there's, it actually eliminates confusion. And then there's, um, there's a lot more freedom that can come with that because then you can incorporate metaphorical imagery. You can do all these things that are more about quality and mood. Yeah. But you still have that under, understanding of the anatomy and the, the actual moving, you know, working through the body. Yes. As a starting place. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's been it's been really fascinating to watch as I have incorporated some of the Franklin method work into, you know, classes, classes particularly, and just to watch people's understanding and their they're just complete like they there's a there's a like a truth that they arrive at where they they really can feel and sense what I'm telling them you know in their body as as being true not not as so many times we say something and the look on a student's face is that they want to believe you and they want to trust you and believe you and yet it's just not really happening for them Going back to what you asked me about what my, my vision, I think this is coming through, is that it's really helping people um, trust the natural intelligence of their body mm-hmm. and, um, and learn how to feel good and take care of their body for a lifetime. Yeah. You know, there's no, I don't think it's necessary for the body to wear out. Uh-huh. And I think that there's still a lot of ways people train that they're wearing their body out. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're wearing out their joints. People don't tend to pay attention too much to their joints until their joints hurt. Hurt, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just opening emphasis on, on muscles and a particular look. Yes. But I think you, you look better if you learn how to be in relationship with gravity and take care of all your body systems and be, you know, work for efficiency over effort. Yeah, and I think to go back to something that we were talking about earlier, um, my experience of, uh, you know, a body that has achieved that is you look, you can look at a body and you can see that natural confidence and that sense of relaxation in terms of being strong and agile and just at, at ease all of the time, you know, watching somebody do something that is potentially very effortful and yet you know they're able to maintain that that deep quality of of balance. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> we, went, we, went, we went through a little another, another window. That's okay. <laughs> oh no, you're gonna you're gonna come nope. away with this having uh, having heard one conversation, and I'll come away with it having heard another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> There was something I wanted to ask you just because for the the teachers that are going to be listening to this interview, which is if you could, um, if you could go back and, and, uh, you know, give yourself as a, as a younger teacher, um, a piece of advice, uh, you know, to help you kind of navigate your way forward, what, what might that, what might that be? I would, um. For one, I would um, tell a younger teacher to enjoy the process of where they're at, whether it's, even if they're a beginner, let them know that it's completely okay right where they're at, mm-hmm. and to practice a lot, do do movements a lot, and actually find a mentor, uh-huh. work with somebody who you, who you believe really sees you, and that you connect with, and you feel good when you're around them. Uh-huh. Um, if you're going to be teaching movement, get some, um, also get Potentially some um, hands-on training, possibly mm-hmm. a, um, a massage training, a, a simple one, something uh-huh. that's going to teach you how to touch yeah. this, this part of your work. Uh-huh. And um, and I would take the Franklin work. <laughs> uh-huh. I just wanted to say thank you so much. I really 
um, am so grateful for your time, and it was such a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for the time. I yeah, appreciate it. You're welcome.